Good morning. Good morning, Portland. You're tuned into Pacific Underground. And guess what? We're less than two weeks away from our local elections here in Portland. So today we are having a very special episode or regular episode, whatever you want to call it, because you are tuned in here on your normal fourth Fridays from 11 to 12 to listen to Pacific Underground, your only show west of the Mississippi for Asians and Pacific Islanders here on the radio. So here in studio, I am joined with Brandon Cruz from Apano. Apano, Brandon Cruz, welcome to Pacific Underground. Thank you. Um, as Jenna mentioned, uh, my name is Brandon, and I am here with Apano, which is the Asian Pacific American Network of Oregon. And we're a statewide nonprofit organization that works with Asians and Pacific Islanders to develop a sense of civic engagement. And we work on a number of social justice issues by organizing our communities, and we really try to empower the voices of our communities. Yeah, and if you are unfamiliar with Apano, you probably have noticed them here in town. They're out there on Southeast 82nd, and they're the organization that is building that new building there over on Division and 82nd. It's very exciting to see the new building going up. There's so much happening over at Apano these days. Um, and so, Brand, we're very excited to have you in here because one thing that Apano does, amongst the many things that Apano does here in Oregon, is to bring us uh, all the info we need for our elections because it is so important that those of us in the API community vote. I mean, nationwide, but here especially in Portland, we're such a small community and uh, we really need to make sure that we have our voices heard. And so Apano has come out with a voter guide. Uh, I got my voter guide right here. Um, it's great. Mine is in English, but your voter guide comes out in so many languages. It's in Russian, Tagalog, Spanish, Korean, Vietnamese, Chinese. So um, Apano is there to definitely spread the word. So Brandon, why don't you let us know, um, I noticed that your official title on your email says Vote Fellow. So what is Vote? What What is it that Apano is doing to get out there to help spread the word about the elections this year? Yeah, so a big part of my role in Apano, um, I'm essentially part of the field team. And what we do is every week we are out there talking to voters, letting them become informed and trying to get them to vote in favor of the ballot measures that we are actually endorsing, whether that's a no or a yes, but those all speak true to our community values and how we feel as a community of Asians and Pacific Islanders that we need to defend, um, especially the most vulnerable parts of our communities. So let's just get right into the voter guide. Let's say, very pretty cover. I will say it was really sucked in my I was like, wow, look at that, that's pretty. Because <laughs> I have to say, some of the voter guides from the city are like, you know, from like the Democratic parties and stuff. Not so great. Also, I was checking out the Democratic voter guide um, only in one other language. Yeah. Only in one other language. Yeah, that's a big part of what opponent does is we try to meet our communities where they are and by providing in-language assistance, that's one of the ways that we do that. And we also talk to our voters through in-language um, when we go to doors and knock on doors and also through our phone banks, which is pretty unique as well. So what is the importance of speaking to people in their language? Yeah, so the biggest importance of that is when people see and recognize that somebody who's familiar, who looks familiar and sounds familiar, they actually are a lot more trusting and willing to engage in conversations um, rather than if a stranger who has nothing in common with them were to come to their door or call their phone. Um, they're a lot more open and willing to hear what you have to say. 
That's so true. I remember um, growing up, I have uh, one parent who is an immigrant, and so much of um, talking to him about his experience in voting and everything is the frustration and feeling that voting was not for him. Um, or it was not built for him because even though if he cared, the, the massive amount of information that was coming out was not necessarily made accessible and it didn't always feel like voter guides were made for him mm-hmm. as well because they're only oftentimes in one other language if they're in another language at all. And so it's really great to see all these different languages come out so that we recognize the complexity of what our community is, one. And two, just to let people know, like, just because you you want to actually read information in a language that speaks to you, you know, and that is uh, accessible to you, you know, this means that the democratic process is for you, mm-hmm. and the voting is for you, because that's definitely something I know um, between generations and be, uh, especially within families and communities. Just trying to explain to people, this is for you. You know, you you are here. You have the right to vote. Do it. Yes. But we have to make that accessible to people. So um, in your voter guide, you guys have um, several different measures that you go over. So, uh, And we have basically measures 102 through 106. Mm-hmm. And so I noticed in your voter guide that basically it's vote no on all the measures except for 102. So can you talk a little bit about measure 102? Yeah, so when we're actually talking about statewide ballot measures, um, 102 is the only yes, but um, later we'll talk a little bit more about the Portland area mm-hmm. um, where there are a few more yeses as well. But um, for measure 102, we we want the communities to vote yes on 102 because that will af- um, support affordable housing projects and it'll increase funding that will allow bonds to be spent um, directly towards affordable housing units. Very nice. I think it's so important uh, here in the Portland area, especially well statewide, as we know that, well, rental unit prices are increasing much more, especially quicker than people's uh, wages are and mm-hmm. such. And so such an important measure to vote on. But have you voted yet? I actually have not submitted my ballot, but we are collecting ballots at the Apano office. And I plan on doing that next week during our all staff meeting. How are you going to do it during the I actually have my ballot with me here. I received it yesterday. I was kind of worried uh-huh. because um, I've been noticing this is kind of late. A lot of people have been talking about getting their ballots late right now. Yeah. So I'm not the only one, right? No, not at all. Okay. Um, that's like a big thing that we've been finding while we're going out into the community and talking to the neighbors is that people haven't had their voter pamphlets available um, weeks ahead. And by providing them with like a voter guide, it kind of gives them a chance to do their own research um, and to be informed on what we'll actually see and mm-hmm. what the words and what's trying to be um, put across um, rather than just getting the week of. Um, everybody says they'll do their research, but really are we, we're not really allowed that much time to go in depth with that. So true. I mean, I only got my voter uh, official voter guide from the city there maybe a week ago, mm-hmm. and it is dense reading and is not complete. I will say that, you know, it's only the information that is provided by whomever wants to provide the information. And so it's so helpful to have um, organizations such as Apano provide even more information, research information, because let's face it, the voter guides, you know, the pamphlets that are provided by the city and by the state are providing information that is, you know, biased from the different uh, groups that are either opposing or in favor. And um, it can get 
it can get dense and it can get uh, confusing. So we have measure 102, the housing measure. Uh, let's go just kind of through the measure real quick. So measure 103, why, why does Apano oppose 103? Yes, so measure 103 is really one of those confusing measures that may sound good as at first, but it's incredibly misleading. Um, measure 103 is trying to change the state constitution to ban taxes on grocery sales. And again, this sounds good, but it's misleading. Um, the measure is being pushed by large grocery chains and big businesses who will be getting a break from this tax ban. Um, it's very vague what the ban will actually do and how it can be applied. Um, the ban goes beyond just sales and also bans taxes on the distribution, um, the processing and delivery everything to the grocery store, that entire process. And whenever we make changes to the Constitution, we should have clear policies that respond to what is needed. And this measure is really unnecessary at this time, and it's written in a way that's not clear enough to know what the risk and outcomes of this measure will be. Um, so by voting no, we are actually protecting ourselves um, from the unknown and what's not clear in that measure. Like so many measures, 103 seems like one of those kind of things where they're the people who are trying to push for it are kind of throwing out these things that seem really good mm -hmm. for the consumers. And if we just look at it on that surface level, it seems like, oh, okay. But as you're saying, when we kind of dig into it more, we find that it's more of the corporations mm -hmm. um, that will be seeing the benefit. Yeah. And it, like I said, it's unnecessary and it's really um, misleading in the way that it's written. Um, so we don't want that confusion to be a problem later down the road. And then what about Measure 104? It requires a three-fifths legislative majority for any bills, quote, raising revenue. Yeah, um, this bit, uh, measure is also unnecessary as well, um, which is why we want folks to vote no on this measure. Um, the legislators have to have a three-fifths majority to pass anything related to tax and revenue. And that's unnecessary because our Constitution already has a three-fifths requirement. Um, and this measure helps protect um, tax loopholes because it would require simple fees like state parks or state board of nursing fees to be voted on. And it would make government less efficient um, because it would become more difficult to respond to our community's needs when we're trying to provide funding for our services and programs. And it would also make it difficult to fix our state budget and tax system. Uh, instead, this measure would help protect tax loopholes for big businesses and politicians. Hmm. It doesn't sound like elections at all. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Measure 103 and 104 are definitely um, more of the tricky ones. Yeah, 104 is one of those measures that um, is one of those things where I think, okay, here we have some uh, bureaucracy going on. There'll be increase, and, and then, oh, who is benefiting from this, right? Again, it's kind of like 103 where you have like the larger corporations, and mm -hmm. that's ultimately who is is going to be benefiting from it and yeah it's frustrating um to hear when certain measures are are going to possibly be cutting into services for our community um if they pass and so there's measure 104 mm -hmm. okay what about measure 105 Measure 105 this, this is a really big one that yeah, Apano has been pushing for sanctuary system yeah yes yeah, Measure 105 would get rid of the separation between our local police acting like agents of ICE. Um, it's a dangerous ballot measure that's been put on by nationally identified hate groups here in Oregon. Uh, the Common Sense Anti-Racial Profiling Law, which has been 
being referred to as our sanctuary law was actually created to help lower the amount of racial profiling that was happening in Oregon 30 years ago. Uh, if this is passed, the amount of racial profiling um, in Oregon would increase and police would be able to look at someone, point at them, and ask them for verification of their legal status. We know that this means profiling people who sound different or look different than what Oregonians are used to would also increase. And this measure could increase racial profiling because police could round up and arrest anyone simply because they look like an immigrant. And many police are also against this measure because it hurts the trust between local police and the community. If we have less trust in the community, they'll be less likely to call the police when they actually need help. And our local resources are already thin, and this would even further um, thin out our resources for our local police if they have to implement federal policies. There's already people who are doing this job, and our local law enforcement shouldn't have to take on that burden as well. So it's important for us to listen to those who are actually on the front lines and who will be forced to implement these policies, but also protecting our communities who would be most vulnerable during this time. And especially for AAPI communities, it's so important to be talking about this because something um, I think often many people outside of the API community don't realize is how many immigrants and undocumented people we have in our communities here um, kind of this hidden community here in Oregon. And so this uh, this very much affects the API community. And so definitely one to read more about, to learn more about, and, and to understand why um, Apano is in opposition to this one. And then what about Measure 106? Yeah, Measure 106 would limit access to reproductive health services like abortions by changing our Oregon Constitution to ban the use of public funds to pay for this service. Uh, that means that the Oregon Health Plan and Medicaid cannot provide those services um, through public funds. And this affects over 230,000 women and public employees who are on the Oregon Health Plan and Medicaid. So we must vote no on Measure 106 so that women of every background can have equal access to the treatment that they need. This could start a dangerous path that allows policymakers to choose which healthcare coverage can be covered by Medicaid. If this passes, we will be allowing our constitution to tell women what they can and cannot do to their bodies. So that's why we want people to vote no on Measure 106. And so those are our statewide ballot measures that we just went over there, uh, measures 102 through 106. And uh, right now, if you're just tuning in, we are talking to Brandon Cruz from Apano, and we're talking about Apano's voter guide that they have for our upcoming election on November 6th. If you still haven't voted yet, there's still time, right? We can, uh, we're in the great state of Oregon where the, I say the great state of Oregon because sometimes I... I wonder that. But uh, <laughs> but the one thing I do really enjoy about living in Oregon is the voter system, it, is that we can mail in um, or you can just put it in the Dropbox that we don't have to go to a polling station and that it's just something that's sent to your home. Um, as we were just talking about it a little bit ago, that I just received my ballot and this seems to be something that's happening a lot with this round of elections is that a lot of people are receiving their ballots later, they're getting their voter guides late. 
Uh, Ren, do you happen to know what do people do if they haven't received it yet, but they are registered and they should have received a ballot? Is it too late for people to receive a ballot? What should they do? Yeah, not at all. Um, some people are actually still receiving their ballots, which is totally normal. But as I mentioned before, like this doesn't give you a lot of time to do the research that you want. And my best piece of advice would be to go to your local elections office and call them and ask them why you haven't received their ballot yet. And um, they can go through and ensure that you were registered and check your registration status and make sure that you do get your ballot. Because it is too late to register to vote, right? Yes. The deadline for voter registration for this election was October 16th. But if, let's say someone didn't register, it's too late. Mm-hmm. It's still important, though, right? I think it's still yeah. important for people to stay engaged and to understand. Yeah, definitely. Um, a big part of being civically engaged is going beyond just voting and having conversations with your neighbors and your friends about these everyday ballot measures that will affect our everyday livelihood. And I think that's one of the things that we have been doing um, specifically for the Asian and Pacific Islander communities and framing it in a way so that it's understandable and talks to their values. So whether or not you have your ballots, you can still be getting engaged. You can still uh, be reading your voter guides. You can be looking into all these measures. And for people who maybe are more of the tech-savvy folks and are like, I don't need no piece of paper, where can they find the Apano Voter Guide? Yeah, so you can find the Apano Voter Guide online at apano.org. And if That's you spelled at A-P-A-N-O dot O-R-G. Um, And you can find our voter guide there. And you can also find um, the latest updates on all of our events and our volunteer opportunities on how you can become more civically engaged. Well, also talking about civic engagement here, let's continue through the voter guide because we just went through the state measures there. But you also have some local ballot measures here in your voter voter guide. And um, listed you have... Three measures which you all endorse as being yes. So why don't we talk about your yes on M26-199. And that's the one that approves a $652.8 million uh, bond to fund construction investment of affordable housing. Yeah, um, that's very similar to Measure 102 um, in its purpose, but that will be specifically for the... Portland metro area. Um, we know that there are certain areas in Portland that have definitely been disinvested with um, throughout time. And this is one of the ways that we can ensure that we bring um, attention and resources back to the communities who haven't had that for so long. So we want people to vote yes. That way we can bring those resources back to the communities who do need our help. As we know, we have Lots of developers and such who promise all sorts of affordable housing. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we just need to have some systemic change that actually allows for affordable housing. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. And I think a good thing about these measures as well is that a lot of community partners would be involved throughout this process. Um, It talks about non-governmental agencies being involved. So you see... um, certain groups and organizations like Apano who are very much invested with that process and will be able to determine where those resources go. So what about uh, M26-200, the limits on political campaign contributions? 
Yeah, so a lot of the times when people talk about politics, this is actually what deters them from being involved is because they feel like they have no real power. Mm -hmm. And that's because these large corporations come in and give absurd donations to certain campaigns, which would which kind of sets the tone that I'll give you money now, you do me a favor later. Mm -hmm. um, All the back scratching. Yeah, exactly. And if we limit the amount of money that can go into a campaign, then everybody's on an equal playing field and everybody is given equal attention. Um, and we really allow our communities to speak and um, provide resources for uh, campaigns and candidates who actually are representative of the community. So you guys are endorsing it as a yes. Yes. Uh, can you imagine that if we could limit campaign funding? Because definitely here uh, in in Portland, we can feel that in the API community as a very small community, it's very easy to feel disenfranchised because here we are as a small community having to pull our funds together to have any sort of influence. You know, while we have these very large corporations that have a lot of influence here in the mm -hmm. city. Well, maybe mention names, it might rhyme with Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you know, to be having those discussions about how we can have these very large corporations be able to have so much more influence than communities that are really affected by those kinds of choices. Hey, nationwide, maybe we can, we can yeah. start here in Portland, maybe we can go bigger. Uh, so then the uh, the last um, local ballot measure that you guys talk about in your voter guide is the yes on M26-201 and that requires retail companies earning over 1 billion nationally and $500,000 locally to pay additional charge of 1%. Yes, absolutely yes. We want people to vote yes on the Portland Clean Energy Initiative. Um, this is designed to make a fund that would support clean energy jobs and providing clean energy to homes such as solar panels and reweatherization of homes which typically isn't accessed by folks of low income status mm -hmm. um, and by making the one percent pay a small one percent we can allow for our communities to access um, these resources more equitably and it's been put on a focus for communities of low income and communities of color um, where these projects will be designed. That would be amazing because as we know, as so much um, you know, of our environmental problems, the burden ends up falling on communities of mm -hmm. colors, marginalized communities where you have just have so much environmental racism and, and just a disproportionate negative impact. So to be able to have clean energy jobs being built one for the communities where you have jobs mm -hmm. wow jobs in Oregon and then also be able to give back to communities that are the ones being disproportionately affected would be that'd be kind of amazing so you have all these measures here in your voter guide um, and then if you also go online to apano.org um, you guys do have candidates that you have endorsed yes um, so one of the biggest races right now in Oregon is our governor's race. Um, we have Kate Brown going against Newt Bueller. And Apano um, has always been alongside Kate Brown. She has always had a history of voting with our values and has always been an advocate for the most vulnerable communities in our state. Um, Apano chooses to vote for Kate Brown um, because she has fought for our immigrant communities to keep families together and to provide access to health care for all children um, by passing Cover All Kids. This allowed health care to be accessed by 
all children regardless of their citizenship. And she's also worked on improving our schools and expanding access to skill training for local jobs that have good pay and good benefits. And Kate Brown has also been a huge supporter for reproductive justice and women's health. When she passed the Reproductive Health Equity Act, Oregon became the, one of the best states for reproductive justice. And Kate Brown has also fought for our environment by eliminating coal power from Oregon by 2040 and passing clean air standards. So whether it's been the environment, our schools, or our immigrant communities, she has definitely been a good advocate and support for Apano. And any other uh, statewide candidates that you guys are endorsing? Um, not in the governor's race, but here in Portland, we are endorsing Joanne Hardesty for Portland City Council. Um, Joanne has been working with Port with Apano for a long time, and she's actually um, one of the big supporters of the Portland Clean Energy Initiative. And she has always been committed to respond to the community's needs. Joanne has been a longtime community activist with her past work as a president of the NAACP. And she has also been a part of Pro-Choice Oregon, Political Action Committee, Human Solutions, Compassions and Choices of Oregon, and the World Affairs Council of Portland. And Joanne always relies on concrete data to support her decisions, while also keeping in mind how this will affect the most vulnerable communities in Portland. And Joanne has the experiences that we need for Portland City Council, and she will ensure that the voices who are often left out of these important conversations will be heard and will be involved more with Portland. And then I noticed on your website you do have um, some state representatives and senators that you guys have also endorsed. And, you know, we're running out of yeah. time here together, so <laughs> I want to make sure we get in all the infor important information. So if you want to see who Apano is endorsing as a candidate, once again, you can go on to apano.org, and that's A-P-A-N-O.org. Apano is standing for the Asian Pacific American Network of Oregon. They're based here out of Portland, Oregon. And so just so we get all the details again for everyone to remember that your election is coming up on November 6, 2018. But of course, here in Oregon, since we have mail-in ballots, you need to make sure to mail it in that before that date if you're going to be mailing it in. Mm -hmm. um, if you are going, because it needs to be there at the office by November 6th to be counted, right? Because some people yep. put it in their mailbox on November 6th. You need to make sure you go to one of those drop boxes Yes, if it's too late to mail. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we're also offering at Apano is if you're getting really close to that deadline and you are in the Southeast area, um, you can come and drop it off to our office at 2877 Southeast 82nd Avenue um, right off of 82nd and division um, and essentially right now is the time for you to fill out your ballots seal in the envelopes and send it off but if you run out of time or you do want ballot assistance you're more than welcome to come into our office and we'll help you with that and we also will have in language assistance available throughout the day and so just again to remind everyone that the Apano Election Guide is available online on their website, and it's available in Russian, Tagalog, Spanish, Korean, Vietnamese, Chinese, and English. You can find Apano on the socials at Apano News. You can definitely find them on the Facebooks and the Instagrams and Twitters. 
Is that where you guys are available? Okay. Yes. And then um, just if you are looking for official city information regarding your ballot, any of the voters' pamphlets, you can go to multco.us. And if you did not receive your ballot by yesterday, according to the city, they say to give them a call at 503-988-3720. And uh, go online again to multco.us if you want to hear that or see, find that phone number, find the locations of drop boxes where you can go. Um, and there's there's so much info out there. So we really appreciate organizations like Apano trying to help us all understand and grasp what is going on in our community and how all these measures and the candidates and everything that's going on affects our API community in Oregon, across the state here locally. Brandon Cruz, really, really appreciate you coming in today and uh, talking about the voter guide. Yeah, we really appreciate um, being able to be on the air, being able to talk to more voters and to really get their time and their attention because they're these ballot measures are very important. Our candidates are very important, and we must turn out the vote so that we control where Oregon and our lives go beyond this election. Brandon Cruz from Apano, that's the Asian Pacific American Network of Oregon. So October is Filipino American History Month. And how is Portland celebrating it? Well, last Wednesday, Portland City Hall held an official proclamation for the month of October as Filipino American History Month. And to also celebrate the accomplishments and contributions of the local Filipino community, they presented a proclamation where Mayor Wheeler and the city commissioners and FACE, the Filipino American City Employees Affinity Group, met. So what's an affinity group and what is even a city proclamation? Well, producer Kat Batuigas recently talked to Matt Lynn to learn all about it. And Matt is a city employee and one of the members of FACE. We'll also be hearing a little bit more about Matt's story of how he ended up in public service. So uh, let's hear from producer Kat Batuigas. Hi, everyone. It's Kat. And on Pacific Underground today, we have Matt Lim. Uh, Matt is a developer and data scientist with the city of Portland. He's also involved with the affinity group FACE, and that stands for Filipino American City Employees. Uh, and we'll definitely hear more about that in a little bit. Uh, so Matt, uh, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Cool. So um, how I actually or why I decided to reach out to you was because I saw um, you post in a Facebook group and uh, you had mentioned the Face Affinity Group and being a City of Portland employee. And I had thought, oh, I know nothing about those things. So that is probably gonna be interesting for, uh, for us to learn about. So I guess to get started, could you tell us a little bit of Tell us a little bit about uh, what you do and how you got started in that. All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, like uh, you had said earlier, I am a data scientist and I am a developer at the uh, city of Portland. Um, I work for the Bureau of Technology Services. Um, so basically what I do is um, I work with data, big data. Um, my primary function is um, maintaining and developing our SAP systems. And um, basically, that's just like a huge platform that looks at all the data that city has, more or less, like our big, big like data sets. So, you know, for instance, if anyone pays like a water bill, 
that data has to be stored somewhere. It has to be maintained. So that's part of like the large swath of data that I am responsible for. And uh, my main uh, role within um, the enterprise group is reporting, so analytics. And uh, that's kind of my jam right there. So yeah, um, basically we maintain the SAP system, we get requests for different dashboards, reports, whatever, some analyses. Um, I actually do a lot of work for the Office of Equity and Human Rights for their analyses. Um, I've uh, done studies like gentrification studies, um, just all sorts of stuff. So yeah, and uh, how I got there. Um, kind of a little bit by accident, to be honest with you. Um, I started off uh, in computer science. I went to Carnegie Mellon for my undergrad there. Um, and then I got my master's in data and information science at Carnegie Mellon as well. Um, but I really wasn't like thinking about public service at all. That's something that hasn't crossed my mind. Um, but the way that the school is structured, it's IS is lumped together with public policy and then BI is like lumped with uh, uh, the business school. And so I got a lot of exposure to, uh, you know, public sector work, public service. I thought it was cool. So, yeah, I jumped right in. So, yeah, I mean, that's why I'm here. Cool. And um, so did you did you go into, you know, data science, like specific kind of work right out of school? Or um, is this, you know, kind of job function that you do now? Is this something that's a little bit more new for you? Well, so that's a little bit complicated. Um, so when I was going to school, mainly my goal was to be an algorithm developer. So um, uh, one of the things that I specialize in is deep neural networks. So, you know, you have stuff like, you know, Google has like deep, uh, what is that, deep dream, whatever. What do they call that? They yeah, have some I know what you're name. talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, the, the Google stuff. The name is The like, Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, um, yeah, so I kind of want to do that. You know, all my uh, um, classmates, you know, they went to like Deloitte, Google, Apple, all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something a little different. I'm not going to work for the man. I'm going to work for the people instead. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that's why I'm in Portland now. Cool. And uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, in terms of, you know, what the city of Portland is doing with this data, hopefully, I would imagine making data-driven decisions and all that stuff. Would you say that this is, uh, you know, kind of now a common thing for local governments to do? Or, um, you know, where's Portland in that sort of general kind of space? Oh, are we <laughs> are we doing okay? Like, are we like trailblazers? I mean, we're, we're certainly trying. So okay. I, will, I will say that, um, you know, I would say the main challenge, I, first I'll say this, um, I would say given the resources that a lot of munis municipalities have, um, they're doing a great job because um, it's just so hard to keep up with, um, you know, the, the private sector on anything mm. tech. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, fortunately, there are individuals who do work in the public sector who are very skilled individuals and who really help move that ball. Now, the second thing I would add, um, why Portland is so unique in regards to bringing its IT infrastructure and data infrastructure uh, to the 21st century is that we're a commissioned form of government, right? And so, you know, the mayor essentially is just a glorified council member. And so everything has to get voted on by the council. So we have something called siloing. So like, you know, just because transportation needs this type of like tech system built, 
that doesn't necessarily mean uh, the technology bureau is on board with that necessarily because of competing resources because Mm. we're all separate. So that's the biggest challenge for us is finding some sort of unifying force or body to be able to delegate like all these uh, initiatives, I guess you could say. That's really cool. Me being, you know, a relatively recent transplant to Portland, uh, I have to say that I don't know much (laughs) about the local government at all. So it's I I think it's really cool uh, to be able to sort of chat with someone uh, who is sort of working and involved in that. So that's really awesome. And um, I had mentioned FACE earlier. It's an affinity group. Could you tell us a little bit more about what that means? Um, Yeah, so uh, FACE is an affinity group. Um, So the structure to how um, that hierarchy works is a little complex. And so at the very top level, you have the Office of Equity and Human Rights. um, And that's basically its own like little mini bureau within the city. It's autonomous. Um, And uh, below that, they have this program called DEEP. And what DEEP is, it's a program that now this entirely volunteer based and, you know, we don't get paid for any of this. Um, where uh, if employees want to form some sort of affinity group, whether it's based off um, ethnicity, um, lifestyle, like we have like a veterans group, we've got um, LGBTQ group, uh, you know, we've got, uh, you know, um, the Latinx group, all that sort of stuff. Um, And so uh, basically DEEP gets a certain amount of funding from the city, from OHR, um, on a regular basis. And it just, they take that pool of money and they just spread it around the different affinity groups. And um, the affinity groups get to decide what type of events they hold. So they could hold a bunch or none, I guess. Why would you do that? But yeah, so yeah, that's basically how it works. And um, so for faith specifically, is that something that's kind of more recent? I, I should say that I had never heard of it <laughs> until I saw you post on Facebook. So yeah, is that, uh, and how did you get involved with that? Oh man, that's that's gonna be a long story too. Um, okay, nice. so <laughs> okay, uh, so Face, um, yeah, actually Face was the very first affinity group within the city. So you know, because us Filipinos, we like to you know we like to work it right. So, um, so yeah, so you know, it was the first affinity group. Um, it's been around for the longest time. We've had lots of uh, um, shifts in leadership since then, um, and um, the story of how I got involved with the group because I didn't know they existed too before I had more or less joined. But um, I actually was one of the co-founders of another affinity group within the city. Um, we're called HOPI, and that stands for HAPA Asian and Pacific Islanders of Portland. Um, so yeah, so I was uh, um, a committee member on that, uh, uh, on that organization for about two years. Um, and, you know, uh, with work, like things have been getting crazy lately. So I had to kind of step down a little bit and finally step away from the organization uh, um, recently. And uh, one of the old committee members um, on that hoppy group, um, well, two of them, they left for FACE to do more work with FACE. And that's how I kind of learned about it. And then uh, recently we had a, a, a leadership shift. Um, our uh, fearless leader, Linda, had uh, moved, and so there was a gap. And basically, I wanted to kind of help out with that because at the end of the day, you know, you gotta look after your fellow Pinoy, right? So. Wait, so are you like 
in charge. <laughs> well, <laughs> however, you, however you. No, call don't it. don't let people hear hear that. No, <laughs> they may be like, "What? No, that's news to me." Uh, no, um, no, it's kind of like a shared responsibility with the committee. Uh, we have a leadership committee. Okay. Um, but we do have one chair, and yeah, I'm gonna go drop her name now because I I guess I promised. I guess um, Teresa Suico. Um, she's actually the leadership chair. Um, so she and I just uh, do a lot of work making sure that we get a good amount of events um, organized throughout the year, make sure that we raise awareness about um, equity initiatives, specifically those that are targeting AAPI um, communities. And yeah, you know, just trying to let people know that Filipinos exist and that we're not, as, that we're proud of who we are and that we refuse to be invisible. So yeah. Cool. How, is it is it a large group? I, I I guess I'm just trying to imagine like what is this group even like? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean in terms of like you know who's officially a part of the group, um, it's more or less all the Filipinos in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got about like I think on the D list we have about 30, 30 people, and I would say active membership probably about half of that because you know people yeah. man being flaky. Well. I, well, okay, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. That's fine. Anyway, yeah. Um, and uh, so it sounds like you, you know, engage with the larger sort of maybe Filipino or API community in the Portland area as well. Uh, what types of, um, you know, events or, or uh, what are some things that you, that face does in that regard? Um, so a lot of the events that FACE has held in the past um, has mostly been about supporting um, the local uh, Filipino community and, um, you know, just trying to develop and, uh, I guess you could say, um, lift up the people, so to speak. Um, so we did uh, a lot of networking events, um, you know, a lot of cultural awareness events and um, things like that. Um, now, this was before I had um, officially joined the committee. Um but I think moving forward, uh, the type of events we want to do, and I'm going to talk to Teresa about this, obviously. Sorry, Teresa. Um, uh, we want to kind of focus more on what's currently happening, you know, in our communities. Uh, like, for instance, um, one event that um, I organized, I helped organize for Hoppy that we just had um, was an immigration event, basically. It was like a, a lesson, lunch, and learn sort of thing. So we had like lawyers, immigration lawyers who are working on the Sheridan cases come um, talk to us mm. about like what what the current state of immigration is, what are the pitfalls, you know, the type of resources and support you could reach out to. So generally, I think that's kind of where FACE wants to go. Now I'm just speaking from my own ambitions with FACE, um, but I feel like that's kind of the general direction a lot of the affinity groups are taking because of you know, the hostile national uh, uh, climate at the moment. So, yeah. And um, in terms of, you know, just working and engaging with the Filipino community, how have you found it so far? Uh, and, and I don't know if we've talked about this or mentioned this on the segment so far, but you you are a, a transplant as well, right? That's right. So uh, how, how has it been? Um, what's your experience been like sort of, you know, working with the Filipino community? Uh, how does, is, is it a big part of your life here in Portland, so to speak? Uh, so, um, yes, but it's more a very recent development. I will say this, um, growing up, uh, there weren't a whole lot of um, people of color um, 
where I'm from. I'm from Oklahoma, and so yeah, a lot of a lot of mayonnaise going on there. Um, so yeah, so uh, um, I didn't really have a lot of exposure to other Filipinos until I was in high school, and so basically throughout my uh, uh, post high school life, um, more or less, you know, um, you know, my culture, my heritage hadn't really been on my mind at all. You know, I was just really focused on my career and just like immediate things. Um, but uh, when I started doing work for the Office of Equity and Human Rights um, through BTS, um, that's when I, I guess you could say was a second awakening, right? Like a cultural awakening. I also saw Hamilton that year, so that also kind of helped oh, out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wait, yeah. which year was this? This was 2016, but I also saw the, the Hamilton show I saw was earlier this year. Oh, okay. So, All yeah, right. It was kind of like, you know, succession. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, George Washington was Korean. That was pretty sweet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, where uh was it the show here in Portland? Yeah, Keller Auditorium. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I uh, I had seen the show um when was it? I want to say 2017. Yeah, so like last summer, summer of 2017 in Chicago. Oh. Um and this was before I had moved uh from Connecticut to Portland. So up until uh, up until then, I had been trying to score tickets to like the Broadway show, right? <laughs> which was impossible. Oh, yeah. um, joined the lottery like, every day for a while, and then I got <laughs> tired of it because I never got it. Um, and then uh, I was in Chicago. I was going to be in Chicago for a work event, and so I uh, checked out the tickets. Uh, they were quite a bit more affordable, still not cheap, but, you know, <laughs> totally, totally worth the money. Oh, um, yeah. Hamilton's great. Anyway, sorry. It's a good play. <laughs> Did you get the soundtrack right after you saw the, uh, the play? I had listened to the soundtrack oh, okay. um, for <laughs> a really long time before I even um, got to the actual show. Oh, so, yeah, I see. So yeah, was... I, I like to go in cold, so. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. Or I've heard of a few people who like did it that way. Mm. Um, I I had actually seen the show. I got to the show with my partner, and I think he hadn't listened to the soundtrack at all mm. as well okay. before going to the show. Um, yeah, yeah. And so after that. Um, He's still not a Hamilton head, but I think he really enjoyed it. And he, I know he's listened to the soundtrack a bunch of times after the show. So oh, very yeah. good. Yep. Very, very, good. Uh, w uh, very wide appeal. Uh, just great show in general. Didn't catch one in Portland. I thought about it, but mm. figured, eh. You already saw it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> better save the money. Yeah. By the anyway. way, this show is now about Hamilton now. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, sorry, so we were talking about... Um, Filipinos, yes. Yes, and uh, yeah, like what your sort of experience was uh, kind of... Oh, yeah, yeah. Before... <laughs> before we went off that tangent. Yeah, yeah yes, well, Hamilton's always a great tangent. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, you know, through my equity work, I started getting more uh, hashtag woke. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, I started getting more involved with the community. Um, I, you know, I uh, started going to a lot of the Apano events, um, Rolling Tides conventions, stuff like that. Um, um, and uh, with my work, when I was with Hoppy, you know, we do a lot of uh, work with the different communities and um, the different groups like Apano, Urco, stuff like that. Um, 
So yeah, yeah, that's kind of like my story of how I got involved with all this. It's just purely by accident. Okay. So yeah. Um, Oklahoma. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe you know if if you're comfortable with sharing <laughs> this or talking about this. Um, and since October is Filipino American History Month, did you happen to have, you know, any sort of personal, as personal as you want to get, yeah, uh, yeah. personal stories kind of related to that, you know, about your family or, you know, how your family even got to Oklahoma? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, th- there's a little story that um, I thought of the other day. Um, this is um, from my, my father's perspective. Um, they moved to the United States, uh, my parents, in um, like the 70s. Um, my dad did his residency in uh, New York City. Um, my parents actually lived in the Bronx when they first came here. And um, my parents actually came to this country with, um, I think it was just like 50 bucks in their pocket, and that was it, and clothes on their backs. Um, and so, like, when my dad was doing his residency in New York City, like, the first day was just terrible. Culture shock, everything. He told me, like, you know, after every shift, he would, like, you know, go to, like, the uh, the break room and just, like, have a good cry. You know, get all out and go back out there and do his thing. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So, like, you know, this kept happening. And, like, he had to take his driver's test. And he was just so fed up with, like, having to deal with all the, you know, all the stuff you have to when you move to a new country that, um, you know, after he took the test, he knew that he kind of like messed up a little bit, so he kind of left the twenty dollar bill in the uh, uh, the little booklet that you're supposed that the uh, the instructor brings with them when the, when they drive, and so uh, he left it in there, and then I think it was like a few days or whatever. Whenever they give you your license after you take the test, he got it, and my mom was surprised. She's like, "You drive like a maniac. How did you get your license?" He's like, "Oh, you know, I just forgot a twenty in you know the booklet, and yeah, there was it." And then my mom was like, "You bribed them," and my dad's like, "No, I just left it there, and he happened to have found the lost twenty and decided not to return it." So yeah, this, <laughs> th- there's a story right there. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> And um, so they had moved to the Bronx from the Philippines? Straight from the Philippines. And this was in the 70s. Yes. So Lots of disco dudes all around, yes. Marcos era. Yes, yes. Um, if we want to sort of connect that with the broader kind of history that was going on there, you know, uh, I think it was around that time, maybe a couple or so decades after the war, when um, a lot of uh, sort of Filipino professionals started uh, kind of immigrating to the U.S. Uh, lots of, you know, healthcare professionals mm. especially. Uh, and I'm pretty sure, you know, the uh, Marcos uh, administration, I believe, had like also encouraged that movement. So, yeah, you know, it's it's um, uh, your family is certainly, yeah, it's like part of Filipino-American history. Um, It's all the story we share, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, That's cool. And um, are they, is your family still in Oklahoma? Yeah, I don't know why, but yeah, they're still there. (laughs) Um, All right, so Matt, um, where or how can we learn more about FACE or um, these affinity groups? We actually have... Each affinity group has um, their own dedicated website on the city of Portland's uh, network, right? So, like, um, if you go to, I believe it's OHR's website, and there's a section for DEEP. If you drill down there, they have all the different affinity groups. Um, and so uh, we run our own web pages. 
Um, you know, some of them are better than others. Uh, obviously, the ones I've worked on are better. But, mm-hmm. you know, we got dashboards. We got all sorts of things on there. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great place not only to connect with, um, you know, what the uh, different um, ethnic groups are doing within the city, but it's also um, a good way to um, learn about the city in general. Um, uh, for instance, like uh, some of the dashboards that we have, um, the data th- that they use is actually um, demographics data from um, the American Census and the American Community Survey. And so we can look, you can look at stuff at look at stuff like, oh, I want to see where um, in Portland they speak the most um, uh, amounts of like Africanized languages or whatever. So like we have lots of those different types of things. And so you can you know learn about us at the city and you can learn about the city in general at these websites. So. So I could just go to like the general kind of city of Portland homepage and I can navigate to the affinity group websites? You can, navigation's really (laughs) tricky. I'll give you a shortcut. If you type in Portland and then Hoppy, H-A-P-I, it will bring up the Hoppy's website, like probably the first result. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you can navigate, like backwards navigate from there. I'm sure we can include uh, this in the show notes as well um, when this kind of goes up. uh, on the uh, KBU website, mm. um, if if that's all right. Um, all right, and um, since you know, um, in the sort of spirit of October being Filipino American History Month, is there anything that you know face or any events that you sort of happen to know about that are happening uh, as part of you know this uh, month long celebration, like here around the city? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Um, yeah, uh, actually, we just had an event today. Um, we had a, um, it's kind of funny, it's a, a Filipino-themed coloring hour where um, our, uh, our committee chair, uh, she actually purchased a lot of these Filipino coloring books. And so she's like, hey, let's have a coloring hour and celebrate being Filipino. Um, it actually was pretty fun. Like, I was very skeptical. I'm like, uh, like last time I colored, I was like, you know, like five. Like, what is this going to be? But it was really fun. And, uh, yeah, it got a lot of people to, you know, show up. You know, those who, were, who aren't Filipino, they showed up. You know, they colored. They had, like, they had lumpia, pancit. It was great. So, yeah, so that was one event we just had. So we also just held the, uh, <laughs> the Filipino American History Month proclamation at uh, City Hall. It was on the 24th. It was great. Um, we had a live band. The mayor proclaimed it, you know, the official month. Um, and he, uh, you know, um, encouraged all Portlanders to uh, also observe the month as Filipino American History Month. So it was great. A lot of people came out. And it was amazing. So, yeah. Um, and we, we plan on doing a lot of uh, networking events in the future. Um, we're thinking of partnering with some of the PSU uh, different groups um, there, and uh, yeah, just um, reaching out to some of the younger members of the community, and um, yeah, cool, very cool. Uh, all right, so a proclamation. Sorry, I don't actually really know what that means. Like, uh-huh, what does that? <laughs> what does that involve actually? Like, is it just like a document someone's reading it out, or? Uh, well, I mean, technically, yes. Um, the core of the proclamation is when the mayor reads the official proclamation, you know, uh, declaring um, that month or whatever thing you're dedicating at that moment mm-hmm. to be official. And then he hands over the proclamation to the person who's supposed to be receiving. 
And uh, yeah, and usually involves, uh, you know, either a performance or something and um, testimonies. That's the very important thing. Okay. Um, so what the testimonies are, you know, it's just like a normal council hearing um, where, you know, you'll have like three or four people and they'll get like a certain allotted amount of time, like five minutes. And um, they get to talk about whatever they want, you know. And so a lot of people will talk about their experiences, um, you know, being a person of color or whatever group they're representing. Um, at these proclamations, you know, they'll tell personal stories and, you know, um, yeah, just share a lot of experiences and uh, celebrate whatever they're celebrating at the moment. And, uh, yeah, it's really, I would say, from the proclamations we ha we've had in the past, I would say it's a very positive experience. Everyone who participates um, gets lifted up. And, yeah, it's just a great time overall. All right. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really cool. Matt, anything else that you want that you want to share with our listeners? Uh, well, I did promise to do a few shout outs today. All right. Shout out to Eric Neville, Shannon Carney. Um, I, I guess I'll do Jordan Brooklyn too. Whatever. You get one. Okay. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. And uh, yeah, Matt, again, thank you so much for oh, being yeah. with us today. Of this course. was so much fun. And I am so glad to have learned a little bit more about <laughs> the city and uh, the affinity groups, uh, how to check out. I should check out Face at some You really should. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Well, that was city employee and former member of Face. We just learned that he had left the group, but is still supportive of it. Matt Lim, city employee, talking to Pacific Underground producer Kat Batuigas there. You can find more information about the city's affinity groups, again, at portlandoregon.gov. So Pacific Underground Collective would like to publicly show support for those in our cable community who are in want and in demand of needed systemic change here at our own community radio station. While there are individual volunteers and staff who have shown a support of addressing these issues, we feel that there is a pressing need for the cable community as a whole to express their views regarding the radical space we call our radio home. In solidarity, we will now end our show with a moment of dead air. <laughs> 